Many of you longtime listeners know that I was not the first host of this podcast. This podcast was started by my good friend Manny Coates, and after about a year and a half of running that podcast, the podcast went on hiatus for a while, and I became the new host starting in about episode 195, a little over a year ago, I believe. Well, the reason that Manny went on hiatus is because his position at Helium 10 became no more. Helium 10 was acquired, and for the very first time, publicly, we're going to be talking in depth to one of the founders of the company that acquired Helium 10. And we're going to be talking about the insights, we're going to be talking about the data, we're going to be talking about kind of a crystal ball that this group has. Stay tuned, this episode is going to be a really good one, lots of actionable insights, and frankly, some pretty cool history. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM Podcast. Today, picture yourself in the movie scene of Wizard of Oz, and you have made it to the end of the Yellow Brick Road, and you get to pull back the curtain and see who the guy is, or the the group of guys, the team is, in this case, that is making some pretty cool decisions that is helping the e-commerce world in general, right? We're going to talk about that today. We have a special guest Sandeep, who I've been trying to get on this podcast for a number of months now. He's a hard guy to track down because he's so busy. But uh, Sandeep, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. So if you would just briefly tell us not about what you're doing now, but but where did you come from in life? Like we're going to talk talk in, in just a couple minutes about your current engagement, your current, you know, projects that you're working on. But with with the loose understanding that you're now involved in the e-commerce world, how did you find e-commerce and how did you kind of land in this role that you're at now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. And um, in, in the past, uh, call it 10 years ago, uh, started working with e-commerce businesses um, that were that were just coming up. And uh, I had my own e-commerce business. And at the time, it was the business was literally sitting on a server in a box in our office. And, you know, if, if you, if you knocked over that box, the business would go down and it, it gradually saw sort of the evolution of it where, you know, you had Amazon, you had Shopify, all these platforms were that were making it so much easier to sell. And, um, I was a shareholder in an agency that was focused on the e-commerce space. And I saw just firsthand, um, one, the incredible growth that these these businesses were seeing, and two, just how reliant they were on software to help them run their business. These were small operations um, that were uh, that were very much dependent upon third party software to help them run their business. Sandeep, I'm not sure if you remember the first time that we met, but I definitely remember it. Do you remember it? I think it was over lunch. Yeah. So I'll tell you the story as I remember it is I was traveling out to Helium 10's office 
And I was doing so for the Project X uh, series that we were shooting. So I was making a lot of trips out there. And I got pretty familiar with a lot of the office staff. And I kind of knew my way around the office. And one trip I showed up out there, there was these two strangers in a conference room. And I had not seen these two guys before. I didn't know who these guys were. And I know Manny and Guy had flown over to uh, to SoCal. They were in the office at the same time, which is unusual because at this time, Manny and Guy had both moved to Austin, Texas. And I remember like, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, like something's going on. And I was asking some of the staff, I'm like, who are these guys in there? And even some of the staff were like, I don't know. And some of the other staff like gave me that, like, I don't know. Like they really knew, but they weren't allowed to say. So anyways, I'm hanging out with Manny and Manny says, I need you to meet these two guys. And and we went to lunch with um, two guys ended up being our guest here, Sandeep, and also uh, his partner, Adam. And they sat down and and I was kind of introduced to them. And Manny said, hey, you need to meet these guys. You need to hear what they're doing. And I said, all right, what are you doing? And they said, well, we have founded essentially a company called Assembly. And I said, okay, what does Assembly do? So now, Sandeep, I'd like you to describe, you know, to to the users, like what is Assembly? And then for those of you that are that are listening, I promise I have a very, very solid point by asking this question. It's going to set up. Uh, a stream of information and a string of of uh, kind of context that's going to be very, very valuable to you. So Sandeep, answer me that question again that I asked you, what, nearly a year ago now? Yeah. No, more than a year ago. Yeah. A year and a half ago yeah. now. What is Assembly? Right. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, I saw e-commerce firsthand and just how dependent um, these merchants, big and small, were on software. And I also saw that these merchants were stitching together 15 different solutions to run their business. And so the idea of assembly was formed really to help make that process easier. And I'll start with our goal of what we're trying to build here. We're trying to build um, a, a suite of software solutions that makes it so much easier for existing merchants to be successful and grow their business and for new people, uh, whether it's, you know, brick and mortar businesses, small businesses, or entrepreneurs um, to get started on e-commerce. And so our broader vision is we're not only helping existing um, small businesses grow online, but we're creating new entrepreneurs through our suite of products. And so we're taking a different approach here. We, um, we partnered with, uh, you know, we raised some capital from some outside investors and we are acquiring and building software you know, to cover every aspect of the merchant journey, you know, whether you're selling on your own website or Amazon or Walmart, anywhere, uh, we want to be able to provide every solution you need to run your business successfully. And and, and we want to marry on top of that. It's not just about providing software. It's the whole component of community training content. A lot of what you do, uh, Tim, it's, it's, it's incredibly helpful to these, these businesses who are trying to stay ahead of the curve. And I think the the marriage of software and community is really what we're trying to build. And what you're doing is not easy, right? I know a lot of software companies that, let's talk about Salesforce, for example. Salesforce is a huge company. You know, they have a very, very, you know, robust set of services, but those services and that software and those solutions are catered towards typically enterprise level businesses, right? So they can put a bunch of, you know, salesmen together in a room and say, go find these big companies that will incorporate our CRM system. Well, what you're talking about is building a system for people that are hard to find, right? Because, you know, typically you said it like these e-commerce sellers, 
they can't grow without tools. A lot of these are anything from stay at home moms to, you know, weekend hustlers that, you know, have, have turned into shipping out of their garage. Now they're doing multi millions of dollars a year online, but they still don't have a huge team. They don't know what they need. Right. So what you're doing is kind of daunting. And I'm sure that when you're looking at this, this business model of helping consolidate and build these software tools, you know, you knew there were going to be some challenges. So why did you think that it was a road worth going down, you know, an, an opportunity worth pursuing in the e-commerce space? Yeah, it's a great question. Finding these businesses, like you said, we're not going after Fortune 500 companies. If you look at e-commerce, it's largely small business. I think 80% of e-commerce merchants are, you know, sub five employees. So these are small companies. Um, but I've always been attracted to the SMB, you know, world. It's, my my parents uh, owned a small business, um, saw it firsthand, and I think everyone gravitates towards the big companies. We just saw, you know, this the tools that were out there were making it so much easier for people to become entrepreneurs and for people to sell online, and that's that's where we saw the most opportunity and the most need to help to help them actually succeed, and. Yeah, it's hard to find these folks, but that's why we've invested so much in content and community because um, we can really start from the very beginning and help people learn about e-commerce, how to do it, you know, hear other stories of people that are actually going through it to inspire them, uh, and then ultimately give them all of the resources they need to be successful. Yeah, makes complete sense. So let's skip forward in the story a little bit, hit some of the punchlines. Shortly after our first meeting, Assembly took essentially majority ownership of Helium 10, which we know is the largest software suite. I won't even call it a tool because it's a, a suite of tools in the Amazon space. You guys have made some some other you know, additions to the assembly team, essentially, you want to quickly run through that list. And all this is public knowledge, uh, not sharing any secrets here. But you know, looking at the growth of assembly, what are some of the other headlines there? Yeah. Uh, so Helium 10 was the, the first company we acquired and uh, it, it's, it's been an amazing run um, thus far, building out um, Helium 10 and, and kind of adding to what was already a great product uh, in, in community. Uh, we've, we've acquired uh, Presses On, which is really to build out our advertising capabilities at Helium 10, just because you know, everything we do, we work backwards from what are our customers telling us, what do they need, and what do we think um, if we had in the assembly family uh, would be as impactful as possible to those customers. And so we thought a lot about financial literacy. It's, you know, it's kind of a boring topic that people don't want to think about, but it's really important. It's just to understand, you know, how much it's one thing to understand your revenue. It's another thing to understand how much are you actually making when you sell a product? Um, and it's complicated because there's fees, there's cost of goods, there's ad spend, there's a whole layer of expenses and you don't really know how to allocate it to individual items. And you might be selling a product and you think you're doing great, but you're actually losing money on that product uh, when, you, when you factor in everything that goes into the margin. And so with that in mind, uh, we thought there was a big opportunity to improve financial literacy for, for e-commerce merchants. And so we bought a company called Order Metrics. Um, to help us do that. And it really gets granular with your data um, to help you make better decisions. And I think that's the theme of most of what we look at is how do we take all of this data that's out there and help make sense of it for you? Because you've got a lot to do as a merchant. You've got to 
make sure your customers are happy, come up with new products, you know, deal with all the logistics. And, and there's all this data there, and you're not a data scientist by and large. Uh, so if we can simplify it and not only tell you what the data is saying, but actually help you action it in some way to make your business better, um, you know, that's how we think we'll, bail, we'll build um, a really amazing company. Um, and the last company we acquired was a company called Refersion. Uh, and really, we want to bring influencer marketing to merchants. And so if you think about it, uh, if you're if a critical component of running an e-commerce business is acquiring customers. And to date, it's you know organic traffic and paid traffic. And I think there's this entirely new category uh, of influencer marketing and ambassador marketing uh, that is ready to explode uh, because there's so many different ways in which you can get in front of customers and, and do it in a really authentic way through your best, you know, your, your biggest evangelist. And if we can bring that capability to all merchants, I think um, it's going to open up a whole new stream of audience for them. And I think that's brilliant because so much of e-commerce is dependent on traditional digital marketing. And so much of affiliate marketing, which is essentially digital marketing, is reliant on great products. And all of these industries have been siloed off from each other for so long. You know, at the end of 2019, I was in uh, Thailand and went to a humongous affiliate marketing conference. And it was like a world I didn't know existed. And I was walking around like screaming to myself, man, if we could connect these digital marketers with the brand owners that are in like the e-commerce space, like this would be amazing. And then wasn't too much longer later, here you guys are, you know, bringing recursion yeah. into the uh, into the fold, so to speak, which I think is amazing. So, you know, one of the things that I see incredibly interesting and valuable, especially having you on this podcast is, you know, look at what you're focused on, look at what you've been doing. You know, you, you just mentioned it yourself. Hey, when we're thinking about making acquisition or, or building something or bringing something else to this family, we have to look at what the customers need, right? So, all of your decisions are based on a ton of research, a ton of insight, a ton of actual data, right? And you're pulling data and analytics, not just from, you know, the, the sellers and, and merchants on the software platforms that you have now, but also outside sources, right? So the way I see it, let's go back to that Wizard of Oz analogy I made, like the Wizard of Oz, the all-knowing, you know, the guy that sees everything. To me, that's assembly. Because in the e-commerce space, you have your hands in enough stuff and you have so much focus on the seller, all right? Not just like, how do I grow software tools? How do I do this, this, this? But like, what do the sellers need? That I think that you are in a position where you can give us, the listeners, an incredible amount of insight in the world of e-commerce. And it's important because I feel like sometimes the e-commerce space is terrifying and it's daunting trying to figure out where am I going to spend my time? What do I need to focus on? Do I need to be worried about Clubhouse and TikTok right now? Or should I just stay in my lane and not get shiny object syndrome? Like, it's terrifying to me. And I know a lot of our listeners have this paralysis by overanalysis, trying to figure out what the heck am I going to focus on? So, man, I'd love for you to look in your crystal ball for a few minutes on this episode and talk to us about e-commerce. So the first question I have is like, in 2020, the the year of e-commerce, right? We know because everybody with COVID is locked in their house and everybody is you know stuck in quarantine, they're buying online. We know that there is tremendous growth in the e-commerce sector. Knowing what you know and looking at what you have access to look at, do you think that that's a temporary increase or do you think that e-commerce is going to retain a high adoption rate and it's going to be this big going forward? Yeah, 
Uh, well, look, on the Wizard of Oz thing, we have a lot of smart people on our team um, that are helping to actually make sense of what's happening in the world. So uh, they're the ones that are coming up with this, uh, not me. But uh, yeah, look, 2020 was obviously uh, a crazy year and we're still going through it. Uh, and, and from e-commerce's perspective, it's what it's really opened up is people who weren't really utilizing e-commerce in their day-to-day life, they had no choice. You know, people like my parents who never really bought anything online, suddenly uh, it could, they were forced to do it and it's created a new habit. And I don't, I don't think that's going to change uh, when things open up. Certainly, you know, people are going to go back to stores and, and that's, gonna, that's, that's going to improve and that's, that's great. I think it's great for a lot of small businesses that really need it and that are hurting right now. Um, but I think the habits already changed. And, and so e-commerce is going to increasingly become a bigger and bigger percentage of, of uh, retail spend. I don't think there's any doubt there. Um, and it's, it's only becoming easier to buy online um, and, and to get things delivered, you know, next day, same day. Uh, and so that, that every aspect of this is just getting better and better over time. The logistics, the ability to get in front of customers, the ability to buy wherever you are online. You know, it used to be you could only buy an Amazon or a marketplace or a website. Uh, but now you're looking at Facebook and Instagram opening up one-click buying. TikTok will, will eventually do the same. Every platform is going to look to figure out how they can get their slice of e-commerce by making it as frictionless as possible for you to buy something you like. It's so interesting. All the things that you just mentioned that are new and cutting edge were all brought about by Amazon. You know, Amazon, I think, even tried to patent the concept of one-click buying at one point, right? And I really saw this like this this past Q4 with Home Depot where Home Depot was offering free shipping. I thought, holy cow, like Amazon is literally reprogrammed consumers to expect this and everybody has to follow suit. So just going off of what you said, you know, all these all these innovative things, do you at Assembly consider Amazon to be at the forefront of customer experience still? Or do you think that other people are starting to innovate faster or in addition to Amazon? Yeah, look, Amazon's got a 20-year head start on most people, right? They've been thinking about this problem and they've been building out, like you said, just making it as easy as possible for consumers to find what they want and get it and get it in their hands. Uh, and so, you know, everyone's learning from them and I don't think that'll change. Um, but there are so many more platforms today you know, that are focusing on particular areas like Shopify has exploded in the last couple of years uh, because they've made it so easy to get started. And they've built this entire ecosystem uh, of software developers who have built product to help you in whatever you're, whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, their Shopify's whole goal is they're going to cover 70, 80% of the functionality that you need to get started, but then they're going to have a whole ecosystem of uh, software providers to fill out the rest. So I think there's going to be more and more platforms coming out. Um, these platforms are all going to be interlinked together in some way. And, and this, the, this idea that you can sell on just your store, your, 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 your uh, website or on Amazon alone, I think is shifting. Uh, you're you're going to have to be wherever customers want you to be. And you're, this idea that you can tell them to come to you uh, I think is shifting. It's entirely, you need to be everywhere where your customer is today. 
Yeah, I hear a lot of people that that put together a game plan or roadmap and say you you need to be an Amazon seller or you need to go from Amazon then migrate to Shopify. And what I'm seeing is like there's not always one clear answer because mm -hmm. there are so many different ways in which customers can find you and so many advantages. You know, we've talked about the difference between a platform and a marketplace, you know, very distinct differences. Do you think that well, let me back up and say a lot of people are scared of marketplaces. Right, they're scared of of putting all their eggs in one basket on Amazon because Amazon could arbitrarily suspend them tomorrow, or Amazon could jack up the fees, and there's nothing we can do about it. So, I think for the past couple of years, there's been a lot of content, a lot of focus on get off of the marketplaces as fast as you can. It sounds to me like you're saying something different, and I suspect it's because you feel like there's some stability in marketplaces. Is is that an accurate statement? Do you think that Amazon is is still a stable platform and a and a long term strategy to stay focused on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it has to be part of your mix. Um, and I think, you know, like a lot of it, a lot of what I found is people who, who've said, yeah, there's certainly challenges and it's competitive selling on Amazon. Uh, no, no one would doubt that. Uh, but it's where 50 to 60% of searches start for products. And so how can you avoid 50 to 60% uh, of, of an audience? It just has to be a part of your mix. And, and so I, I think this world of like, I sell on Amazon or I sell on my own website, I think that's all shifting. And COVID has accelerated the, the, uh, the shift towards, you've just got to be where your customer is. And you can't ignore that 50 to 60% of product searches start on Amazon. Just like you can't ignore, you know, that you have to have a relationship with your customer in some way. So you understand what they need and you can make better products and you can communicate with them. And, and I think, I think this omni-channel approach is where the world's going. Now that doesn't mean you have to be on every single channel. So uh, I think that can be overwhelming and overkill, but you can't ignore the big ones and yeah. you need to have a strategy for that. And I was just about to ask that because, you know, it's easy to say, Hey, you need to be where your customers are and be omni-channel and omni-platform and all that good stuff. But as, as we've already kind of set the precedence for is like, these are SMBs. These are small businesses normally. These are businesses a lot of times with very limited funding to get started and they're bootstrapping and they don't have large infrastructure and like it's tough. There's only so much they can do. So going off the basis that that you know you're advising, hey, omni-channel, omni-platform, spread out a little bit, with the understanding that, hey, there's only so much we can do. We can't get shiny object syndrome. You know, looking deeper into 2021, especially towards Q4 2021, that we all need to be getting in for now. What platforms or marketplaces do you think people should be especially focused on under the premise that there's a lot of traffic there, but it's not going to take a huge load of labor to actually get a presence there? Sure. Yeah, that, that's that's a great point. I mean, I, I don't think, Tim, like, I don't think being on every platform yeah. is tenable for most people. Sure. Uh, so I, I, like, I think you need, to, you need to start with one and make sure you're you know, you're uh, performing well there before you start to think about expanding into a bunch of channels. Uh, and I think Amazon's a great place to start because you can minimize or limit the number of variables uh, that you have to control, right? You have to make sure you have a great product and figure out how to get in front of customers on Amazon. But the logistics, everything else, you know, Amazon largely can handle for you. Um, so I, I think Amazon's a really great place for most merchants to start. Um, and then I think, you know, at some point you do have to have or do have to consider having your own web presence, um, whether that's a big commerce store or a Shopify store. 
it's kind of up to your specific needs. Um, so I think those are two staples you'll, you'll need to have. And then beyond that, um, once you have an understanding of where your customers are um, and, and who they are, think about the channels that they are actually on. And so if you've got you know, a health and beauty product, um, pretty good chance your customers are on Instagram and you need to be thinking about your Instagram strategy. Um, but if you're selling, you know, uh, some home goods where it's not really relevant to be on Instagram, then, you know, it, it's, it may not be a, the right channel for you. So it's somewhat dependent on your product and where your audience is. But I think first and foremost, you need to nail, you know, the channels you're on. And I would minimize the number of channels to start with. Yeah. So if we look at some of the struggles we've already talked about with with selling, right? One of the ones we've talked about has been traffic. You know, how do we get clients looking at our products? And we know, of course, that there are channels that are not the marketplaces, right? So you can have an internal channel within Amazon, you know, Amazon PPC, organic listings with, you know, you know, indexing results, all that good stuff. But when we look at other things, like you just mentioned Instagram, and I've already thrown out, you know, Clubhouse and TikTok, what do you think are the most relevant channel platforms that e-commerce sellers should be focusing on? Because again, we can't get on all of them, but I think we're leaving leaving a lot on the table if we're not focused on some sort of presence somewhere. And with especially with your access to the data from Refersion, because in my opinion, the users of Refersion, the affiliate marketers, like these are the best digital marketers in the world, right? Because it is a fairly saturated space and the only way to succeed at affiliate marketing is through amazing digital marketing. So especially leaning on the data and the stuff that you have to look at from Refersion, what platform should e-commerce sellers be focused on gaining a presence now? Right. Um, well, I, I think I think it's very clear that influencer has to be a part of your strategy. And, and it's, you know, if you think about it, so many people make purchase decisions just based on um, people, what people in their network are buying. You know, if I'm if I'm looking to buy something, the first question I usually ask is to my friends. Hey, what did you buy? What, what, what brand did you like? You know, what, what model did you like? And so if you think about that, I think influencer marketing has to be a meaningful percentage of your aggregate traffic acquisition because uh, it's something you can control more so than you, you know, you have organic ranking. It's somewhat out of your control. Like you, you can do all the best practices, but there's algorithms that dictate where you show up. Paid marketing isn't—it has to be a part of your business, but it's competitive. Um, and influencers, sort of that third leg that will increasingly become a big percentage of it. And so, uh, managing that process. And I—I I, I think when people think about influencers, they think about oh, I got to get Kim Kardashian or someone huge to promote my product. That is not what I'm saying. I think micro influencers is actually the most impactful place to start. People who really know your product, who really love your product. So I'd start with your first, your, your existing customers and say, who within my repeat customers, you know, are, are people that I want to get in front of and, and, and have them promote what we're doing. Cause clearly they like it. Clearly they're benefiting from it. And, uh, the beauty of it is, you know, historically you could only do that with influencers to your own website because you needed to be able to track everything. Uh, but Amazon is opening that all up. And yep. it's, it's creating an entirely new channel and opportunity. Uh, and it's clear Amazon sees that as well with, with what they're doing with, with uh, streaming and, and, and you know, um, shoppable TV, uh, which 
which I think is we're in the very early stages of that. Sure. So I'm feeling like my question was a little silly now because I was asking which platforms, and it sounds like what you just said is the platform doesn't matter as much as the method, right? So yeah. like just looking at Instagram, I can sell on Instagram through organic. So I'm building an organic following myself. I can sell on Instagram through paid ads, you know, through Facebook ads that that push over to Instagram, or I can sell through influencers on Instagram. So it sounds like my question shouldn't have been which platform should I be using to drive traffic, but which method, which becomes platform agnostic because those same influencers right. and the same methods for influencers are being used on every social platform, blogs, even like your, your quarters and reddits, right? That's right. I mean, I, I, I think it's not a singular platform. It's more of a strategy. And I think your strategy has to be some mix of, I've got to have an organic traffic strategy. I've got to have a paid traffic strategy and I have, an, I have to have an influencer traffic strategy. And, you know, which channel is really just dependent on where your audience is. You know, like you said, if your audience is on Quora, which would be unique, okay, that, that's where you got to focus on. Yeah. Right? So for those of you that are watching YouTube, I'm doing something crazy. I don't have notes in front of me. Like, th- this is great. I don't even have to, like, pre-position my questions because I keep coming up with so many off the top of my head. So... When I'm thinking about the viewpoint, you know, this this Wizard of Oz crystal ball that, that you have, you see a lot of what's being done well. You see a lot of what's being done poorly. And you're taking this information to try to determine how can we either replicate success or start to eliminate some of these failures or struggles. So when you think of the most successful e-commerce brands, most successful e-commerce strategies that you see, what are these people that are very successful consistently doing well? that most people aren't. Yeah, I think what they're consistently doing is really uh, understanding what the data is telling them, right? And it's hard. I don't want to understate the importance of being an entrepreneur and having that gut instinct because that's how you got to get started, right? And you have, if, you, if you look at too much data, you're, it's going to be overwhelming and you're never going to try. Uh, so that, that is not at all what I'm saying. But once, you've, once you're going, and you're trying to build your business and scale it, uh, that's when you have to start looking at it uh, to make to make smarter decisions. Yeah, well, it sounds genius to me because you're right. The people that will get off their butts and do something or will take risks and take chances, you know, those, those true like Wild West cowboy entrepreneurs, you can't lose that. And I agree with you. Like you have to, especially as you start scaling, you have to be looking at data. So for me, it's almost scary to continue scaling because I'm going to have to, on the surface, it looks like, stop doing the fun stuff and start getting into the weeds of the stuff that sucks. Right. Right. So, so I think that, um, you know, to your point you made earlier, like automating those tools and building that out, building out those function, those features and that, you know, kind of aggregated data is going to be massively valuable for growing entrepreneurs. The reality is though, you don't have to do this all alone. Right. And there's so many tools out there. There's so many software solutions out there. There's so many amazing people out there. I can help you figure that out. So I know it seems daunting, but the hard part is getting your business going, having that, figuring out what you want to sell and, you know, that you're excited about selling. There are so many people out there that can help you and there's so many solutions out there to help you. So you don't have to do it all alone. Yeah. Makes complete sense. So going to like the flip side of that question, you see a lot of data, you see a lot of people that do things poorly. You see a lot of failures. What is one of the most common mistakes that you see e-commerce businesses consistently make that either holds them back or just ultimately defeats them? 
It's going to be really yeah. boring if you say the same answer as they don't look at their data. <laughs> and if that's the answer, tell me that's the answer. But yeah. but I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's um, making sure you understand. You, know, you try to test and constantly um, stay ahead of what's happening. And so you can never really get complacent. You know, mm. as you said, like the, the world is becoming, there's millions of sellers online today, right? And it's, that number is only getting bigger. So uh, I think the ones that I've seen stay successful uh, are the ones that are constantly um, trying out new things. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, whether it's just 10% of their time, uh, they're constantly trying to figure out if they can be doing better. They can be providing a better product. They can be, you know, like you said, trying a new channel. Uh, they're listening to their customers and actually incorporating that feedback. So they're constantly evolving. Right, because it is competitive. It's ever it's you're choosing to join a very demanding, high like fast paced environment, which is awesome and it's super fun to be a part of. Uh, but with that, like it's not for the complacent. You know, it's just the, so complacency. I think is the big, biggest risk for any e commerce business. You never rest on uh, oh we made it. We we we're selling this much. Because uh, as soon as you start doing that, someone else is going to come in yeah. and do it better. And that sounds terrifying that, you know, you can't ever stop pushing and you can't ever stop growing and you can't ever stop adapting. But I think that's the beautiful thing about e-commerce is who we used to think of as the big players in the retail game, you know, the the big brands, the big box stores, the even like the Toys R Us's with huge online presences, they're not going to be able to adapt at the speed that we can. So although it seems daunting on the surface, you saying that, you know, you can't stop, got to keep going. Like that's what gives us micro brands, a small solopreneurs, you know, SMBs, a distinct advantage because we're the only ones that can do that. hundred percent. I mean, that's speed and it's, it's what's created. It's what's so fun about this. It's created, you know, Shopify says they're arming, you know, the rebels, but they're creating like, uh, this whole, they're making it so easy for people to start getting, to get going. And, uh, we see it firsthand. I mean, a lot of the bigger guys, they just can't keep up and every, they can't, they can't, um, adapt to these these changing platforms and environments the way you know a small business can. It's one of the rare times you see a small business that actually has like a a real advantage relative to the big guy because of their speed. And so, uh, you know, the, like what you said, which is complacency will kill uh, your business in e-commerce, and speed is your advantage when you're when you're the little guy. And as long as you stick to that, I think you can be really successful. Amazing. I hope all of you are making notes <laughs> physically or mentally and listening to this. So uh, I know we're going to run out of time pretty soon, but going back to this crystal ball, you guys have a lot of really smart people on your team and you guys are consistently looking at like the next thing. What do you think the next big change is in e-commerce going into, you know, the end of 2021, beginning of 2022 that nobody's thinking about yet? Like, like what, if you could write down everything that's going on and you could point to one on your, your piece of paper, it's like, nobody's thinking about this. No one's paying attention to this yet. Nobody is, is focusing or investing in this yet. What would that be? Would it be a specific sector, a specific platform, a specific, a specific method? What do you think that, that like blowing the horn on the future, what would that be? I think it's, this is going to sound like a, a broad answer, but I think it's globalization is a big one. Uh, I, I think as if you, if you think about how far we've come on the logistics side, 
you know, we went from being able to order something and it taking weeks to get to you to now it can arrive the same day, same hour. Um, and that's typically been reserved for you know, domestically. And I think we're going to see massive improvements in supply chain globally so that you can um, sell to anyone, anywhere. And we're still early in that, but I think that's inevitable. Uh, and it, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing if it happens because now you, you can be selling a product from your from your home in you know uh, in, in Los Angeles and you could you could sell it to someone anywhere in the world and they can get it overnight right and that that, that to me is really exciting because it just opens up a massive audience for your products that didn't exist before yeah and not just the opportunity to sell to them but people that are buying them you know if we look at things like places like India you know, a lot of people think of, of India as still a developing nation, you know, a second world country. But I was reading some stats recently about how their adoption of high speed mobile phone usage is higher than like anybody in North America, right? Like they get it, they're buying online. And even though they got a slower start than like the US, they're going to surpass us very quickly. And, you know, these platforms and the the interconnected logistics and all this stuff make it so easy, like you said, for anyone, anywhere, to sell to anyone, anywhere with a cell phone in their pocket, which I think is really, right. really cool. Right. And I think the last thing would be to look at like what's happening in China and just how people shop um, in the, you know, it's not as simple as just having a shopping cart and a checkout. You know, the interactivity with conversational commerce or, you know, um, having uh, live live video and being able to buy a product, like, there's so many different ways in which people want to buy. Um, and China feels like it's just a number of years ahead of the rest of the world and mm -hmm. figuring that out. So, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I do think China is a great place to look um, to, to see where the future of e-commerce is going. Amazing. So we're running out of time. We need to start wrapping up. But for those of you that are listening, make sure to just keep an eye on what Assembly is doing. I know every time you guys... Um, do something. And, and, and I will say, I don't mean this critically, but Assembly's kind of flown underneath the radar a little bit. Like you guys don't put out a huge brand presence. Most listeners here that have been even followers of Manny originally and Helium 10 in this podcast have never heard the word Assembly. They just know that at one point Manny disappeared. So this is kind of like the first real time, you know, real public description of, of like who kind of took over when, when Manny and Guy kind of stepped out, uh, has been made. So like I said, assemblies kind of run run a little bit under the radar. But for those of you that are listening, make sure just to occasionally Google assembly and see what they've got going on. I love how these like inconspicuous press releases come out occasionally talking about a new acquisition. And it's important because this will affect you, the listeners. If you're selling on e-commerce, the things that are going on behind the scenes, the, the mergers and acquisitions, the new tools coming out, the new industries starting to invest in the tools, services, and, and software of e-commerce sellers will affect your daily life. Because if this is your business, you cannot operate without all of this interconnectivity, right? And and groups like Assembly are, in my opinion, at the forefront of that. So, Sandeep, thank you for being on. Thank you for agreeing to jump on and, and let me interview and talk to you about this. I think that, I know I've learned some stuff on this interview, and I think that everybody else listening has. But I have one more question for you. It's one I've been asking a lot of our interviewees, our guests lately. Going back to your history, you said, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, right? You've worked in agency fields, you've worked in acquisition fields, you've, you've got your fingers on a lot of stuff, but that's not something that you wake up and just know. 
you had to learn this stuff. You had to figure it out. And a lot of times it's like drinking out of a fire hose. And I've loved asking our guests lately if they had to go to their bookshelf and point to one book that made probably the most profound difference in the way that they think about life or they think about business or they operate business and suggest that book to our audience of oftentimes fledgling entrepreneurs, what would that one book be? That's a great question. I would say it's a bunch of books, uh, but the one that had a big impact on me was a book called How Will You Measure Your Life? And it, it really just talks about uh, the interplay of every aspect of of this because you can't just look at you know business as just like this isolated thing it's got to fit within everything else you're trying to do you know your family your friends your you know everything you're trying to accomplish in your life and i think that book was really um impactful on me in terms of making sure you know i understood that these things all have to work together you know to get the most out of you for you to feel good for you to you know do your best work now, it all has to work in this delicate balance that we're all trying to figure out. And um, that book served as a really good reminder uh, of, of trying to measure those trade-offs to get to the right point. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds over, overly uh, philosophical, but... No, it's um, great. And I, I've never heard book. of it. So for those listening, say the name of the book again. It's uh, How Will You Measure Your Life? How Will You Measure Your Life? Amazing. I'll definitely put that on my to-do list because that's something that, that I struggle with as I'm learning that success in business is not necessarily measured on a P&L sheet. Success yep. is freedom. Success is sanity. <laughs> success is, you know, avoiding depression and anxiety and success it's is- It's whatever you define it, right? Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's personal like, to everyone. So. Sure. But, but I think that for most people, they forget that it's not just about a P&L sheet. There, there's more to life than- or there's more to business success even than just how much money they make. So uh, great stuff, man. I appreciate you being on. Is there anything else that you'd like to wrap up with, uh, with saying to our audience here of, of, uh, of entrepreneurs, one last word of wisdom as a farewell, so to speak. Now it's, it's, it's look, this is an exciting time and there's so much opportunity in e-commerce and I know a lot of small businesses are struggling right now, uh, given the pandemic and, you know, we, we want to help as much as humanly possible for those folks to, you know, figure out how to get online so they can, they can, you know, transition their business to selling online or people who, who, who are, uh, you know, looking to become entrepreneurs, you know, and, and so much of our mission, uh, yeah, we want to create a great business like everyone does, but so much of this is how do, how do we not only help existing people uh, create better businesses for themselves and for their families, but how do we actually inspire more people to actually become entrepreneurs? And that's uh, what I hope I, what I hope we're successful in doing. And I uh, hope we can really um, help as many people as possible in achieving that. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you again, Sandy, for being on. Thank you, listeners, for uh, getting through another episode with us. We hope that you found some value in this. Make sure to go to our website to get updates on the new episodes. Go to the Facebook page, which is just ampmpodcast.com. Also check out the pages, the social media, the communities of the different kind of aspects, community members in the assembly family. So we have Helium 10, Refersion, Order Metrics, and Prestazon. And I'm sure more will be coming in the near future. We'll be looking for those press releases to, to quietly hit my inbox. And if you guys have found value in this episode or others, make sure to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a like, and a share. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.